everyone, welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. It's the first edition of September, I think, as uh, we head into the latter stage of the flat turf season. And I know that Ross chomping at the bit as we're getting that little bit closer to the jumps action as well. But before that, we have got some mouth-watering action this weekend. I just adore this Irish Champions Festival, as they now call it. I'm really looking forward to being there myself this weekend. We've got some fantastic racing over the course of the two days. But we've also got racing Group 1 action in the UK as well. And we've been blessed with some sort of end of summer heat wave um, from the from the gods. I don't know why, why we've done to deserve this. I suppose most of the summer has been pretty bleak. So wherever you're listening this, listening to this, I hope you're enjoying this heat wave. Um, I know TC doesn't need to worry about that anyway because he has his own uh, heat wave every single day in Saudi. And uh, Ross lives uh, the life of a king in his chateau down somewhere in the in the beautiful parts of of France where he's joining us from. So everyone's in good spirits essentially. And TC must be as well after your nap, your very confident nap, and um, for, for our for our uh, main preview last week in the Solaria Stakes, Ablan was was good. He was hardy. He was really tough to win at seven to four um, for the Charlie Appleby team. And James Doyle, he's got a very big weekend coming up this weekend. Um, so TC, you're probably happy to see that. Do you feel like the Appleby team just sort of turning a corner? Or do you think they've just got some really, really good ones, but we, they've also got some pretty moderate ones as well at the moment? Well, it's just the older horses have underperformed so far this season. As I said last week in the preview, this whole Appleby in terrible form narrative is just completely wrong. You know, he's still striking at around 25, 27% uh, over the last fortnight and actually over the last month as well. And about 28% over the season. Yes, he hasn't had those uh, numerous Group 1 winners like he did last campaign, but he only struck at 31% last campaign. So there's only a 4% difference, you know. Appleby is still uh, in form this year. It's just his older horses who we all thought were going to be dominant um, in the divisions they haven't been uh, it's going to be the two-year-olds in the back end of the season who are going to propel Appleby up uh, the rankings right now yeah I suppose it's just strange not to see his name appear in in the major group ones for example this weekend nothing in Haydock for the Sprint Cup and Champions Day in Ireland you know it wasn't too long ago that we saw Pinatobo just blowing the world apart in the national stakes so not seeing horses from his yard at uh, these big meetings is is just surprising. I just think it just sort of it just sort of cements what really has been a kind of a his standard, not as, as high as others, which is in stark contrast to the likes of Aidan O'Brien. And he's probably going to be a name we're going to be hearing and listening to and watching throughout the course of this weekend. The feature we're going to look at is the Royal Bahrain Irish Champion Stakes over 10 furlongs at 3.20 at Leopardstown. Um, we've got a field size of nine declared. Aidan O'Brien is responsible for three of the runners. Um, of course, August Rodin, just like he did after the Guineas, is on a bit of a comeback trail. So will we strike him off our lips at our peril, which we did do on this podcast for the Derby with a slight trepidation after what was a, a complete bomb out in the Guineas. He's or He's gone on to win two derbies, but he's bombed out again in a King George. Can we forgive him for the second time? That's a million dollar question. Or will we put faith in King of Steel, the sort of the young pretender, the horse with such a big, huge frame and such big potential? Is this his opportunity to land his first group one? Or is it one of the older horses? And there's some good quality older horses in here as well. Last year's winner, Luxembourg. You've got Nashua, who ran a career best last time in the Jumpmont International, one runner-up. 
Ernesto's an interesting contender over from France with Frankie Tatori, but he ran a good race in this last year. And Althalia back after an injury. So all in all, we'll start with Ross maybe first. The complexion of this race is very strong. It's tricky. It feels like it's very open, but it's difficult to call a straight out winner based on what they've done so far this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think King of Steel is, is undoubtedly the right favourite. He's shown a good level of form. He travelled supremely well through the King George at Ascot last time. And I think perhaps, as you mentioned, that big frame, he's he's undoubtedly not grown into that fully yet. And I just think at that level over that trip, he perhaps just lacked the the maturity and strength. I'm sure in time he'll be a, a, a mile four horse. So I think the drop back to a mile two will really suit him. Uh, such a strong powerful travelling horse um, and if it was in the UK I probably would poke my head above the parapet and and, and select him but the fact of the matter is they've, they've got to go to Aidan O'Brien Coolmore's you know home ground um, Al, uh, he didn't um, behave all that well in the stalls first time up now it's then not a given that he's going to particularly enjoy the the traveling you know it could be that he's just a bit of a sort of big claustrophobic horse and obviously he's got to go on the plane or the boat to get over there um and kevin stott is zero from four riding at leopardstown he did show when when on buccanero fuerte that he can go over there and mix it and and you know do his own thing and not get intimidated but the fact of the matter is he has got to ride against three coolmore jockeys not just not just one so just at the prices i could leave him alone albeit the six pound weight allowance does make him appealing August Rodin, I think if he was pretty much with any trainer in the country, you'd just strike him off this season, wouldn't you? And say, no, I can't touch him until next. But he's not. He's with Aidan O'Brien, um, who, as you said, brought him back after the Guineas. I think this is a slightly different um, kettle of fish in that the Guineas, there was very obvious, legitimate reasons why he underperformed after it all went wrong in the first furlong. Um, he was lacklustre in the Irish Derby. Um, and that's the run that concerns me more. I think the, the run last time, if you're using that to judge him, um, you, you're bonkers because he might not be good enough, but he was definitely better to run, you know, to a much better level than he showed last time. I and mean, he was effectively pulled up turning in. Um, but it's a big job to get him back. I, I couldn't entertain him, but he just stops me entertaining King of Steel at a, at a shorter price. So I'm more inclined to come down on a, each way angle and one of one of the older horses and it's last year's winner Luxembourg um but I think he, he's got a slightly awkward head carriage he certainly doesn't endear himself to to fans and punters the way he goes about it and he's perhaps been a little bit expensive to follow on occasion but he was very good over this course and trip you know last year um I don't think he, he quite stayed the, the the one mile four last time um at Ascot um and his run before that in you know in all hindsight behind Mostadaf looks really good now, given what Mostaf did in, in the Judmont. Um, I think he'll probably be ridden to pick up the pieces. Um, and I think that could well be good enough to to run in the place. And, and, and maybe better if the three-year-olds just find this a little bit of tough going. Um, Al Riffa was just the other one I had on my mind. As you know, I was really keen on him at the start of the year. And he perhaps just hasn't stepped forward as much as I would hope, having been a really classy two-year-old. But he was good last time in Deville behind um, the current arc favorite uh, ace impact um but i just wonder if this is just going to be another step too far um for all that i think he's he's still better than he than he's shown us but for me it's luxembourg each way as a tentative selection um in a in a really fascinating but complex race yeah i and i think that you've nailed something very important with this the 
the slight mind games that can come up come about when horses from the UK or any in any singular horse from any team comes and tries to take on the sort of the army that is the Aidan O'Brien team. And I actually spoke to Ollie Cole about this when they brought Royal Scotsman over for the uh, Irish 2000 guineas. And, you know, there was about five or six, including Paddington, um, Aidan O'Brien horses in there. And it was just a case of, you know, we're not going to, we're going to not let you get out. We're not going to let this make, make this easy for you. And, and, and you've got to have a, a jockey, a right jockey that day. It was Jamie Spencer. You've got the right mindset. He, he wouldn't mind too much. I think Kevin Stott's grown enormously. You'd imagine in confidence with, with the role, with the, with the opportunities and with the rides as well. But this is slightly something completely different, as you say, in Aiden O'Brien's own backyard. So it's a, a lot on resting on one, one man's shoulders on how he's going to ride the race. And I think, TC, we've seen in the going back years how many brilliant renewals of this race has come down to tactics. I remember when Magical beat Gaieth and it was all around Shamie Heffernan's brilliant control of the race and um, foresight to just just get a little bit closer to William Buick and Gaieth and not not let him go ahead and, and take too much of a lead. So for me, it's it's not really about the best horse in the race. It's about the best race riding, I think, that could could just about go and win this and that's why I'm finding it so hard yeah I don't disagree with you um obviously it, it definitely pays to be slightly wider on the track coming into the home straight because you can get caught on the inside but I'm sure that Kevin Stott knows that and I'd be very surprised if he found himself against the rail or at least boxed in uh turning in I think he's going to get King of Steel out wide make sure he gets a clear run um and from there there are no real excuses as to why he shouldn't win this race he's definitely the most likely winner you know, on the back of the King Edward the Seventh Stakes victory, the King George eye-catching display, and now dropping back in trip, King is still is the the most logical logical player and obvious selection in this race. But he's a short price favourite, and there are doubts, aren't there? Like none of us are convinced that he's going to go and win. And when that happens, it always pays to go for something at a slightly bigger price because the race has that kind of wide open feel about it. Now, I have similar workings to Ross, but I've come down on a different conclusion. Insofar as I don't really like the older horses in this race, um, generally on trends, you want a three-year-old in this affair anyway. Six of the last nine renewals have gone to a horse from the classic generation. Plus, the older horses this year, I'm just not convinced by any of them. You know, Al Flayler's never won a group one. He comes in here as the shortest price of the older horses. Luxembourg and Ernesto finished first and second last year. So, you know, they've got good form in relation to this race. But I just don't trust either of them. And I don't think Frankie the Tory is a good booking for Ernesto, I have to admit. Um, of the three yards, as I say, King of Steel is the obvious one. August Rodan, I am actually going to judge him on last time out because going into the derby, I know earlier in the podcast you said none of us were keen about him in the derby. I had the race down as a two-horse race between him and Military Order. Now, obviously, I picked the wrong one. I went for Military Order. He was out the back of the TV and has not progressed since. But August Rodan had the form and the um, reputation coming into the race to have a great chance. Now, the reason for that was because you could strike a line through the Guinea's performance because there were numerous excuses. What was the excuse last time for him to be beaten on the home turn? Ross said, yes, he didn't run his race and therefore, you know, you can put a line through it. But I'm take the opposite opinion of he literally ran no race whatsoever and there's been no real excuse come out of it. I then cannot trust him, especially at a shortish price. So I have to take him on. He's definitely good enough to win at his best, but who knows if he's going to be at his best and he's a short price. So I don't want to take that. So therefore, I look for the uh, bigger price alternative. Ross went for Luxembourg, who's more of a solid option than my play, which is Al Riffa, the other horse that Ross mentioned. Um, 
he looked fantastic in the national stakes last year and in truth no bad horse ever wins that race so you can't mark him down on what we've seen so far this campaign on his comeback he let a front runner go away from him on a track that suits front runners when they're ridden aggressively he ran okay behind Mashore. Um, I don't think you can mark him down for that performance. And then last time up, as Ross said, second behind Ace Impact, that horse's favourite for the arc. It's a real good piece of form. On ratings, our referee needs to take a big step up, but he's a nice price. And he's only had five starts in his career. You know, his um, ceiling is sky high compared to some of these. We know the ability of Luxembourg. We know the ability of our Flailer. We kind of know the ability of August Rodan and King of Steel, but we don't with our refer. And I'm willing to take a chance that he'll take that big jump forward. Yeah, and arguably he could have just run into the best horse in Europe at the moment in the shape of Ace Impact, who's anti-post favourite for the Prix de Triomphe. If he was in this race, there'd be no doubt about that he'd be favourite. So is that the best piece of form nearly that's on offer, even if it is a Group 2? Well, exactly. Uh, and people obviously overlook these French horses because we generally mm. don't know too much about them. You know, people focus on English and Irish form. Um, most punters who are interested in this race, for example, won't be, um, you know, won't have their head in the French form book all the time. So he's overlooked. And eight to one just seems a very big price about this horse. As you say, if Ace Impact was in here, well, he would be seven to four, two to one favourite, yeah. probably with King of Steel yeah. at five to two. So it seems good value to me. Yeah, I like that case. And I think uh, he's all, he's kind of been a bit of a friend of the podcast. I think it might have been Ross who put him up for the St. James Palace and then he didn't run. Um, I hope that the ground doesn't quicken up too much. I feel like he might be a horse that wouldn't, wouldn't would want a, a little bit of a juice. And obviously we're getting this Indian summer here and in Ireland. I think that's the maybe the one excuse that you could find for August Rodin, that the ground had just got maybe just on the tacky-ish side at Ascot. Um, but it's a weak excuse, isn't it? I, I would say for how quickly he stopped. He just seems to sort of throw in the towel. Um, but we have seen Ryan Moore do that with horses when they know that they're beat, just, just give up quite quickly. So I don't think we know what he would have done if he had even attempted it. But yeah, it's just one too many trying to forgive a horse at this stage now. But there's no better man and, there's, and it would be remiss of any of us to ignore the idea that August Rodin could come back from that um, with the genius that is that Aidan O'Brien, who has won this race, is the last four, uh, four renew five, five renewals. Um, so it that makes it tough. I'm slightly on the fence with this. I, I'm it's a real watching brief. I'm fascinated to see, you know, as you say, what Kevin Stott likes to do. It's not that I don't think he's capable. I just still think that he could be even better next year, and he's still sort of learning. They're still learning about him. We still don't really know exactly what he can achieve, what his trip is, um, how how best to ride him. Um, you know, he's so he's so unexposed that coming into throwing in this deep end against horses that might be just a little bit more sort of able to to go go through with a with the, the race setup as it as it is, and as you say, traveling as well. It's just the too many variables. Um, I, as mentioned, not entirely certain. Um, they've got no massive opinions, but there's one older horse, TC, that you didn't mention, and that was Nashua. Um, she, <laughs> um, I thought she ran a career best in the Jumon International last time, and I wasn't entirely sure if it was the right trip for her. Slightly not certain if she's a miler or a 10 furlong horse. I think we've said before on this podcast that she can pick what mood she's in a little bit, 
and and it's what what Nashua is going to turn up. Um, but I just like the angle that she's coming into this in a good frame frame vein of form I think Holly Doyle gave her a very inspired ride last time and sort of let everything sort of happen ahead of her and if it does get a little bit messy tactically out in front um, I think Holly will be quite happy knowing her so well just sort of let that all pan out and she can sort of make her challenge and hopefully um, as we know not get too boxed in not too entirely sure Holly Doyle's stats at Leopardstown but she just knows Nashua so well um, so she's of, of interest at around an 8-1 to one each way price as well for this but the Irish Champion Stakes not to be missed at Leopardstown on Saturday one of the plethora of races on Saturday at Leopardstown and then um, they'll roll into Sunday at the Curra as well so really um, a, a weekend not to miss at all but we have got very good racing here um, at Haydock, at Ascot, at Kempton. So we've got an um, opportunity now for Ross and TC to go take away with their naps the next best. And it is TC who was so confident with his naps last week. Um, it's over to you to give give out your thoughts first. Sure. So my nap is uh, Nakib, who runs in the 2.25 at Haydock. Um, he's a half-brother of Bayid and Huckham, so therefore he's never going to go missing in the market. But he's currently 5-2. to two at the time of recording this podcast on Thursday. And William Haggis had the choice of running him in this race, which is a one mile six, three year old handicap, or in the Old Borough Cup uh, against the older horses over the same distance 35 minutes later. That race came up a bit more salty uh, than the three year old contest. So he's running in the 225, which just looks the perfect uh, opportunity for him. Now he's a Shadwell owned cult. He's obviously got a massive reputation given his pedigree and actually lost on his first, first three starts and people started to doubt that he was ever going to make up into a horse anywhere near as good as Huckham or Baid. Obviously, that's a pretty lofty standard to try and match. Um, but he did actually run second to a horse called Middle Earth on his penultimate run in a novice event. People were disappointed that he lost that race, but Middle Earth has subsequently come out and won the Melrose in blistering fashion at York, showcasing a real high change of gear um, and he looks a talented performer, now rated 102 and open to loads more progression. So that gave the form a good boost. Nakib then ran out again last time uh, at Kempton in a really weak novice, just trying to get his head in front. And he did so with a bloodless effort, winning by 10 lengths. The handicap has given him a mark of 100, which if you put that, uh, compare that to Middle Earth's 102 currently, I think that's fair enough. You know, only a nose separated them on their penultimate start, a new market. And I just think the extra two furlongs will see a new horse. So Nakib in the 225 at Haydock is another confident selection. Uh, and then the next bet is going to be first view in the 210 at Kempton. It's the London Mile Series final. Plenty of people overlook this because we've got Group 1 racing everywhere else. But I love this race. Uh, I've been watching the qualifiers all year. Um, I'm a bit of a, a Kempton uh, lover, so I don't tend to miss those races. And uh, plenty of horses in this affair will have had this as their target for quite a while, you know, a couple months, a few months uh, since the winter, maybe on occasion, some of them are in there as a bit of an afterthought. And I don't like that. I like the horses that have been targeted at this race because it is worth 80,000 pounds. Like it's a big prize. And first you actually won this event 12 months ago. Subsequently, he's run at Maidan, hates Maidan. I don't know why they send him out there. He's not for six at the track and never finished better than eight. I don't think uh, lots of duck eggs as well. Um, and then he ran on turf and he's got a one from nine record on turf and seemingly doesn't handle grass at all. So he's dropped right down the handicap again. He's actually running off two pounds lower than in this race 12 months ago. Christian Howarth takes the ride yet again. He was on board 12 months ago and he claims uh, an extra five pounds as well. And if he jumps out from stool 11, sits on the shoulder of the leader, I think he's got a fantastic chance to retain his crown in the 210 at Kempton. 
Brilliant. Good stuff. Well, I know very well it was Enstall 12 when you won this two years ago and didn't seem to do any problems. So good luck for that uh, for that race. It's a, it's a good race indeed. A very competitive uh, action at Kempton. Um, right, let's head back to Ross. Uh, what have you found for us? A couple of two-year-olds for you, Jess. Uh, the nap is in the two o'clock at Ascot, the Harry and Roger Charlton trained American Bay. Um, as is their as is their their way, he took a huge step forward in his second run from his first um, when finishing second over the stiff six at Salisbury to a horse of Clive Cox called Dragon Leader. Um, now that form looks really good. If you remember, Dragon Leader absolutely took apart the field in the valuable Goffs Yearling Sales Race at York. Um, probably the easiest winner of the of the week under Ryan Moore. Um, I expect this colt to take another step forward. Um, this step up in trip is going to going to suit, given how well he finished off over the stiff six at uh, at Salisbury. Um, so a fairly confident nap is uh, American Bay in the two o'clock at Ascot, and then the next best comes in the in the Group Three at uh, at, at Kempton, um, and it's a son of Calix, uh, Eben Shadad uh, for the Gosden team. Now he was only their second two-year-old winner of the season when winning at Newmarket on debut they've been very slow with their two-year-olds but he was really impressive despite running around and being quite green in the closing stage under Benoit de Sayette um, he absolutely sluiced away uh, in, the, in the closing stages I think uh, their two-year-olds have clearly been a bit backwards this year if it's reasonable to expect that there's a step forward from him um, I think he's got the all it takes to to win this for all that he's drawn a bit wide which which perhaps isn't a, a, an ideal scenario but um Kieran Schumacher takes over. Hopefully, he'll find a nice, nice position. I expect him to finish off really strongly uh, over this trip. So he's the next best in the three twenty-five. Okay, love our two-year-olds, don't we? And um, with that in mind, my, I'm not really a nap uh, selection. I've got more of a watch, watch this reminder of what's happening on Sunday. Um, as a very, very big friend of the podcast city of troy is up against another friend because i adore the horse buccaneri Ferte in the national stakes this is a race not to be missed um two outstanding two-year-olds um two horses that we've seen improve well buccaneri Ferte's case has improved no end as the season has gone on one's a group one winner um already one is on the cusp of being a group one winner. I, I believe City of Troy will beat Buccaneer Fuerte, but I think it's a brilliant renewal. And it's wonderful when you see two horses from different yards, different set of owners who've got so much fire in their belly to have horses of this level. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think that City of Troy is really going to be a backable price, but it'll be interesting to see how it moves. Um, but just so excited to see him. It's been a while since that brilliant um, win in the superlative stakes. And uh, I hope that he can keep up his perfect record. So City of Troy is running the national stakes on Sunday at the Curra. And then my next best comes at Leopardstown in the 505. It's the uh, Patinga Handicaps run over one mile fur by furlongs. And Nuzret, um, National Hunt fans will remember this horse. Um, used to run in the Simon Manure and Isaac Swade colours. He's a horse that won um, the, the Adonis. He ran a very big third in the uh, ain't tree grade one juvenile hurdle and he was also a fourth to lossy mouth um, as well before running on the flat and winning very comfortably um at uh, at the cover in a big handicap where joseph o'brien stated the intention to send him to the e-ball um, now since then he has changed hands and he's now owned by dash grange stud um he's a full he's a colt still he's 
he's um, by Golden Horn. So the I say the the intentions are to stand him, but potentially they want to add um, more black type to his his CV really on the, on the flat. Now this might be a stepping stone to something else. I'm not too certain, but he won very comfortably um, last time out. He's got a lovely rating, I think, of 91. If you look at his hurdle mark of 139, so there's a lot of juice still in there. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in, in this field. I assume that maybe he didn't get into the Evo. That's why we didn't see him in that. Um, but he's still retained plenty of potential um, in what's a, a very good looking field um, for that Leopardstown race. The likes of Jack Thimbar, who ran a decent enough 12th, um, has been declared with Frankie on board. Um, and um, there's a nice selection of horses as well. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Nuzret. So that's the 505 at Leopardstown. Um, plenty of good action that day um, to complement all the rest that we're going to be looking forward to watching. Don't forget Shaquille's also running, another good friend, or my good friend of the podcast, um, in the Haydock Sprint Cup on Saturday too. So best of luck to the Camacho team as they uh, hope to continue on what's been a wonderful journey for their sprinting stars. So thank you to TC, to Ross. Um, don't forget all new SBK users get £30 in free bets when they sign up and bet £10 for the first time. Don't forget to subscribe to whichever podcast channel you listen to. Um, we'll be back next week and for the weeks preceding before we end out the flat season and we turn our attention to the jumps. It's coming. Uh, thank you and uh, we'll see you soon.